Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, Monday, February 13th, 2023, day after the Super Bowl, where the Kansas City Chiefs are the world champion, if we will. Let's just call them the Super Bowl champion, because... It's not a world football league. Say, yeah, no, it's just mostly to the United States, so I wouldn't call them world champions Yeah, but either. that's what they've said since the inception of I the know, Super Bowl, I know. So we'll go with that. No, it was a good game. It was exciting. Enjoyed watching it. Uh, we have a lot of Chiefs fans, I think, in the area, uh, more so than Eagles fans, and I know here at the studio, and so there's a lot of people around Lincoln, Nebraska, on a high from the Super Bowl. Not Johnny Cadillac. Though. Nope. I was rooting for the Eagles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln, restoring American values and bringing common sense to the capital city. Johnny Cadillac is producing the show. Uh, we're going to continue the... Uh, Executive producing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we're going to continue uh, Friday's show a little bit here because uh, we were discussing the pros and cons and thoughts on LB588, which was... Medicinal cannabis or medical marijuana, I think, as more people know it. And um, if you weren't aware, and I didn't really go into it Friday, but uh, there is LB-22, which is to decriminalize the use and possession of marijuana, and LB-634, which is somebody over the age could grow, sell, distribute, and possess and use cannabis. Uh, My thoughts Friday were on LB-588 and LB-588 exclusively. Uh, but nonetheless, someone that a lot of people uh, that listen to the show know, former uh, running candidate for city council, Mary Hilton, has volunteered to come in and, and talk about these. Mary, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Love uh, to be with you again. Yeah, before we get into it, I just want to run through a couple of national stories uh, that I hope the people are interested in. Uh, number one. Unidentified aerial phenomena, quote-unquote objects, or maybe you'll say UFOs. Uh, I think this is going to go on for a while, folks. There's a lot of uh, major news about it, Pentagon briefings, shoot-downs, etc., etc. I think when I look at that stuff, I I try to always keep it simple and figure out um, what are the most likely, um, given everything we know on this planet or how we're educated, um, and so I'll just go through that real quick, okay? Uh, one, yes, this could be our own technology, um, and for whatever reason, uh, it's being used around here and we're confused. It could be their technology. There, I would probably point to China, uh, maybe Russia or Iran, but nonetheless, another kind of advanced national power could be their technology we oftentimes as americans think that we always have the best and the brightest and the greatest and that's not always true uh, so it could be one of the two it could be a psyop it very much could be a psyop both ways us showing our own sensors capturing stuff us talking about certain stuff why well maybe to get another country to spend a lot of money trying to figure out what these things are and get that technology opposed to putting money and resources against something else. Who knows? Could be a PSYOP just to cause the chaos that it's causing around, at least in the American media right now. Um, I think the other thing, and those are probably the most likely. The other thing, though, that I think we should always um, keep hold to, and often in America we don't even think about this, it's difficult for us to think how our enemies would, right? Or what would enemies of the national security or 
Western civilizations think of is advanced tech. It is very possible. So think about it. What I'm going with here is, listen, nobody thought about an A-bomb until an A-bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So, you know, we're roughly 70-ish, 80 years from then. I mean, nobody could even think about that. And since that time, we over here have just always felt that we have that advantage. It's very possible that maybe somebody has a sensor and spy capability that we haven't developed. It's possible. And you're not going to know about it until uh, it's basically too late. Everybody's just trying to get advantages on everybody. Um, so that is a possibility. And just remember, uh, so far, yes, we've been the great at this, at this. I mean, we've held the F-117 stealth fighters for about 10, 15 years before anybody knew they were a public. I already mentioned the A-bomb, um, things like that. So you never know. Aliens, I'm going to throw that one out. If you're into that, you can go study how vast the universe is and th- there's pros and cons uh, and lots of data on whether there's life out there and, and if so, if it could get here. Um, but nonetheless, that's compelling. That's the biggest rabbit ho- hole you could go down. Uh, the other one I would say is, honestly, sensor malfunction, radar malfunction, uh, pilots seeing stuff they can't explain. Um, you just don't know. I mean, there's a lot that can go on with all of these sightings. Um, I think the former guy that's now famous who ran the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, who's now on TV a lot, Lou Alizondo, probably said it best, which is, a, a lot of people have low-end tech being used to harass America. It's high-impact, it's low-cost, and, you know, this is what they do. Um, I equate that to my final, what could it be? It could always be those smart, wicked smart kids. Never put it past kids to figure out a way to put a balloon together. Not necessarily the Chinese one we shot down, but take that story and go, hey, let's put a little reflective material on a balloon and let's send it up and just see how crazy uh, the U.S. military and the U.S. people go. You you can never discount that. Uh, you can't. And at the same time, it's very possible. You could put a couple of balloons together and you could put a bunch of reflective material on it and boom, it would ping a sensor. Uh, everybody in the aviation community would go, oh, my God, there's something up here. You know, we'd send a plane out and shoot it. I mean, it'd be like, well, I shot something, you know, and until they actually get that stuff, you don't know what it is. But uh, more than likely, folks, it's of terrestrial means and it's nations playing games with each other. <laughs> the other one before we get to Mary, uh, go check out uh, Scott DeGroat's Substack. Um, this one hit social media. I'm not pro or con, left or right on this one. I just think this story in East Palestine, Ohio with the train spill that occurred uh, on February 3rd, a Norfolk Southern Freightliner derailed, and basically just had millions of gallons of vinyl chloride that has now been set on fire to burn off. And there's a lot of interesting stories coming out of there with hydrochloric acid being something that's now in the air because of uh, the burning. And there, there definitely has been some kind of media blackout a little bit over the last two weeks. Um, but social media is opening that one up. And anyway, Scott DeGroat on Substack, a domestic Chernobyl in East Palestine, Ohio. I think it's worth a read. He's got a lot of great data in there and information on what happens to those substances uh, when they're burned, as well as other accounts of where things have happened in the railroad community over the last decade that we haven't really always tracked. And, uh, for the people around there, yeah, it sounds like a very uncomfortable situation um, with essentially a lot of chemicals um, being proliferated um, out to 200 miles around this community. So check that out. Maybe we'll come back to that one in the week as we go there. 
All right, Mary, thank you for coming in. I've been trying almost for a year and a half to get some folks to come in and talk about this, and um, I've tried the voting angle because those seem to be the the biggest efforts. And uh, But all of a sudden, boom, three bills pop up in the uh, legislature, and, yeah, a lot of people are talking about it. Um, I made my stance pretty clear on LB588, which is medical cannabis. I, I think we're behind the times, and... Um, and that one would be fine as I understand how it's written. Um, I will say we talked previous. I was under the assumption that a doctor would prescribe it like any other drug. You made a comment, and now that I think about it, it does seem that other states have done it. It's just a card, which yes. in a way um, kind of circumvents the rule as I am I was debating it in my own head and, and saying. I mean, I'm still in favor of it. I think medical is fine, um, but I... I'm not just, oh, yeah, well, now we'll just skirt the way by getting a medical card. I, I'm thinking it more like I go to my doctor. My doctor thinks this particular drug may have some benefits, pros and cons like any other, and off we'll go. But nonetheless, um, that's what kind of started this conversation. And I also know that you testified against 624, but uh, yes. you're passionate about this issue. So why are you an opponent? Why I am opponent to both medical marijuana and full marijuana legalization is, um, first of all, I'm a mom. Um, and, um, I started studying the issue because I have a daughter who has epilepsy. My daughter, um, is 23 years old now, but, um, at least from the time she was nine years old, we've known she's had absent seizures. And, um, you know, as a mom trying to find, a uh, get those seizures under control, which, um, you know, when you, when your child comes down with something like that, you know, like almost immediately your life changes because, you know, my daughter's having hundreds of seizures a day. Right. And we knew she was having issues. We just couldn't quite put our thumb on it. And when we finally figured out it was seizures, then, okay, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of medications to take. You know, we saw a neurologist and had the EG, had everything confirmed and, you know, started down the trail of trying to figure out how to how to best control our seizures. So, you know, we we started with some therapeutic things and that didn't provide relief. Um, you know, homeopathic, um, neuropathics type of things. Then we we started on medications mm -hmm. and um, we we've, we've um, tried three different medications okay. over the years and. We've tried um, keto diet, right. um, you know, anything new that comes out yeah. there that seemed, you know, to be safe enough, we've tried. And so I understand the desperation when mm. you have a child that has a, um, um, a condition that is not easily treated with medication, you feel pretty desperate. Yeah, but, the, chronic, the cr chronic or forever type of, um, you know, disability, whatever you want to say. I do want to say, I mean, that is one of the... Um, I guess main proponents of this, you know, are talking about, as it says, I, I guess in the bill, including chronic pain, brain injury, seizures, autism, cancer, Parkinson's disease, Crohn's disease, and PTSD. And I know some of the people that have testified also have children uh, with epilepsy and, you know, are really struggling, um, you know, and trying to find something and seizure seems to come up. So whenever there's a bill or this gets into the public eye, at least for medical cannabis it often goes kind of as hey here's why what one of the things 
I am not clear on. Is there data that says that medical cannabis has been successful? I mean, I generally always feel that I can find data to argue both sides, but clearly some families feel that it would be beneficial. Yeah. So I've, um, after doing a ton of research, mm-hmm. reading a lot of studies, reading things from all over the world, um, what I found is that there have been literally 30,000 studies on wow. cannabis over wow. the last like 130 years. It has been highly studied. So to say we just need some more studies. <laughs> I mean, there is, there's things that we've learned because, you sure. know, the, the chemistry has become very smart. And so there, there, you know, we now know that there's more than 500 different cannabinoids or like, you know, um, different, different, different parts of of the marijuana plant. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's part of the reason why it, the full plant hasn't been, been legalized because when you take a a plant, when you take anything, it has to be, be purified and then then, then tested for, for dosing and efficacy mm-hmm. and in, drug interactions with other medications, you know, so that a doctor knows how to prescribe. Right. And so it's, it's exactly why doctors do not prescribe, you know, uh, medical or marijuana. They don't, they right. don't prescribe it and they don't in any state prescribe it because, um, they don't know those things. They don't know those things at all. So when, when somebody, when a doctor um, gives an okay for medical marijuana, it's just an okay to purchase. It's not an, oh, I'm going to tell you how much to take. I'm going to tell you when to take it. Um, and so I've just, I've done this research and what I found in terms of, in terms of studies, there, there seemed, uh, probably within the last decade, there have been some short-term studies with very few participants that mm-hmm. seem to show over a short period of time that there was relief. Maybe for pain, um, for um, for treatment of various ailments, but then, and so then it seemed promising. But then, as those studies continued to be more long term, more study patients involved in it, what they saw, and particularly with with pain and other issues, is that the the patients themselves considered their condition worse okay. after a couple of years mm-hmm. than they were when even they began, and then. They, of course, needed more and more to medicate Mm -hmm. the situation. And I just I think that in the discussion of medical marijuana, what we often don't hear about, um, we hear about all these successes um, and they're often anecdotal, Mm -hmm. not studies to successes, but anecdotal successes. But we don't hear about the harms. And so that's what I, when I, when I testify about this and when I talk to people about this, I really like to point out the harms because this is not a panacea. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, um, there, there's anecdotal, you know, evidence perhaps that it helps some people. But in terms of real studying, real studies, medical studies, really what the studies show is that it causes harm. Do you, does it surprise you? Because I think, um, A.G. Hilgers said it best, which was, you know, I think it's a it's still a class one substance and therefore, um, you know, the federal government. But that also has kept it from the FDA and going through that same process that maybe would give us all uh, more than anecdotal evidence. And it would show if it could. Are you surprised that it hasn't like with all the like you said, there's just, you know, there's a lot of people for it. Right. I mean, and and we can talk about the culture part of it because that is a piece whenever we talk marijuana. Yeah. But that it hasn't gone through the same ringers as, as say, uh, Vicodin. Yeah. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that actually there is 
medical THC. Mm-hmm. And it has been, it is a synthetic that yes. is prescribed both to chemotherapy patients, AIDS patients, um, people with wasting diseases. They're prescribed THC. So and very high medical grade, gone through the ringer. It's a synthetic, THC. but yeah. it has the same chemical component structure, gotcha. molecular structure mm-hmm. of, 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 you know, found in the plant. Mm-hmm. And then there's also um, other, um, there's Epidiolex, which is a purified CBD that was FDA approved okay. in 2018 for children okay. with epilepsy. Gotcha. And so, um, you know, there to say that it hasn't been studied, hasn't gone through the FDA process, that's not true because okay. these have Marinol, Drabinol, Epidiolex. So we have three. a similar like product. Yes. Gone through the ringer that is approved. And doctor. prescribed by doctors. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's great information. See, because I guess that would uh, defeat, not defeat, but that would bring the argument right that, hey, this is available if you need it through the normal doctor channels. Versus kind of the mom and pop store that oftentimes accompanies medical cannabis when it does get approved. Uh, we'll continue talking about this and the other bills with Mary Hilton, 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, back on talking uh, medical marijuana right now. We'll talk about the other bills with Mary Hilton. Uh, if I was uh, cutting in there, yeah, we we're talking about the card. I'm always talking about the card because I, I do believe that there are folks that obviously have testified for this and are very passionate about it for medical use, usually around uh, people with ep- epilepsy seizures. A lot of vets talking about it with PTSD and things like that. Um, but, you know, again, while I won't change my stance on it because I'm about personal responsibility, I'm not going to blow smoke. The reality is, folks, this gets legalized and the first 15,000 medical marijuana cards are going to the University of Nebraska. I mean, that's just a fact because that's just what happens when these things get legalized. And I'm not passing judgment on that. I'm just saying that you also do have to factor in the culture part. Uh, But again, Mary, uh, thanks for coming in. You gave me an interesting stat there about young people, though, in rehab centers. Yeah, so there's a rehab center in Colorado. And um, before um, recreational marijuana was legalized in the state, um, you know, what they had was medical for about 10 years. And um, they had the first five years of having legalized marijuana or medical marijuana. It was very tight. And then there was um, the fact that the Obama administration decided they weren't going to enforce mm-hmm. um, federal law, the Schedule One drug. And then um, there was a court hearing that allowed um, producers to be able to sell to many people. And so that opened up the market wide, wide. Right. They went from 5,000 people to um, 100,000 people within a year yeah. of that court hearing. And so... Um, a lot of people had their medical marijuana cards. Most of them were between the ages of 18 and, and 32. Sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, to my point, right? I mean, yeah. this happens. And then there there was the rehab. And we'll, we'll hopefully I'll finish more, that. Yeah, we'll talk later. more about it when we come back. 1,499.3-KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, second segment here on Monday, February 13th, Drive Time Lincoln. I apologize for not saying the weather. It's 58 degrees, feels like 60 winds out of the south, 13 miles an hour. That is a heck of a nice February day. Should have been out golfing. Should have been. Not there yet. Supposedly, though, there's going to be some snow in the next couple days, so... Just be safe driving. By the way, more accidents. I saw more accidents this weekend. I'm telling you, folks, we're 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 bad. We're not a good driving town. We need to uh, focus on defensive, safe driving all the time. I'm serious. I don't know what it is. I want somebody to do a study. I think per capita, we're not that good. <laughs> all right, we've got uh, Mary Hilton and uh, ran for. Uh, City Council here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and she's been a real opponent for a long time of uh, the legalization of medical marijuana, marijuana, and, and all the laws that are kind of in the public psyche right now. Um, before we get to uh, 22 and the other one, I can't remember right now. 634. There you go, 634. Couldn't pull it up on my screen. Um, let's talk about kids, because kids and data is probably where we all resonate the most when we look at um, how things we introduce into society and how they affect kids. And um, as I think everybody should know, the marijuana kind of culture oftentimes does begin at at the young age. And, uh, you know, it can permeate into the Grateful Dead concerts and adults as well. But oftentimes it's the it's the youth that sees the brunt of anything, you know, brought into society. Well, and the industry knows that, too, sure. because if you can get a, a kid hooked on whether it's tobacco, alcohol or marijuana at a young age, you know, because adult teenage use can lead to adult right. use and addiction and um, and all the all the problems that result from that. Well, when I think of um, the harms, I just first of all, I mean. I don't know many families who haven't been adversely affected or know somebody mm-hmm. affected by marijuana. And its use. And um, before before I, I forget, I was going to mention a statistic that I'd read about in Colorado at a um, at a drug treatment program. Seventy four percent of the adolescents in that program um, said that they had obtained marijuana from somebody's medical marijuana card. So um, we mentioned about the the high use of young people using, mm-hmm. and so you know when the government says something's legal, right? Then, um, in a lot of people's mind, that makes it okay, right? And um, when the harms are not often publicized, it's very attractive, right? To be able to self. Well, and that's a good point, and I think that's where just because of my background with addiction, I take a higher level because I have to, 
responsibility level for the chemicals that go in. Um, and, and I wasn't that way as a young person, right? So it's a good point that when the government says something's legal, oh, okay. And, and sometimes in a lot of these things, people are advocating or they're pushing off personal responsibility and they maybe not don't figure it out until it's too late or they've had a bad experience usually with the law. Um, and I certainly am not a fan of that. I mean, ultimately, um, anything we need to ensure as parents and kids and educators that everybody understands these, because let's be honest, the peer pressure is out there. It's out there with alcohol when you're young. It's going to be out there with other pills these days and marijuana. Um, but nonetheless, you know, one of the things is um, the stats that just surround it, um, both with young people and and marijuana in general. And we're kind of moving from medical marijuana folks, even though, as Mary just said, I mean, a lot of kids are going to go get that that medicinal card. I mean, that's just the reality of this to factor in. Um, and I think any of us that have been around California or Colorado, uh, we've seen that. Um, but we're moving into, okay, now you've got usage and there's some other bills. And there is. There's a lot of data out there that's been out for a long time that can be frustrating to people, you know, who are going, why would my state consider this? Right. So, you know, of course, you know, if marijuana were to be legalized for, you know, medical use, we one of the things that are, isn't talked about is just what it does to, to children. And, and a lot of the people that have been, um, you know, advocating for medical marijuana are people that have children that have, you know, epilepsy and various other conditions that they want to treat with marijuana. So we don't hear, though, we hear about, oh, it, we know anecdotally this helps kids um, that have these conditions, but we don't hear a lot about, well, what are the harms, the side effects that come with giving marijuana to kids? And, um, you know, marijuana, we know, of course, affects motor skills, memory, motivation, um, but also with with use, it does basically kind of stop brain development. And there's a, a thinning of the brain that must happen to, to reach adult mm-hmm. maturity of the brain. And when marijuana users are teenagers and they and they become heavy users, then their their brain's very much affected. And we should be concerned about that. Um, there's a um, a Harvard doctor that has studied the brain for 30 years and what marijuana does to it. And what she says, she calls this kind of an epidemic of the brain. Let's try to save the brains of kids. Mm. And that's why, you know, she's opposed marijuana, especially in the use of children. Yeah. Because of the just the long term consequences. Sure. And we've um, there's a huge study that's been going on for probably 20 years now in Europe that started with um, users uh, of marijuana in their 15, 16, middle teenage years, and they followed them into adulthood, into their 30s. And what they found is that the incidence of adult depression, adult mental illness, and adult suicide increased five times compared to the to the population that didn't use marijuana wow. as, as youth. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I think when I look at it, um, you know, you kind of have the uh, stereotypical, oh, it makes people lazy, oh, it makes them hungry, it makes them giggle. Um, but at the same time, like I always look at it, right, if it's uh, nothing to excess. And I think that when people get um, hooked on something or are using it regularly, um, you're going to have these type side effects. And certainly, 
I think I would I would hope that everybody in America does know a chronic marijuana user over time and has been able to watch because there certainly is, as I always like to say, it always seems like they're, they get stuck kind of at an age mm-hmm. and I'm not, that's not scientific. Uh, that's from me observing family members, me observing other people I know. Um, I would say that on the medical side or the chronic pain, people that use low doses that I know, it seems to be just like anything else somebody would take, you know, but nonetheless, there is a lot, lot out there. I mean, the gateway drug has been a, a long, um, a long-term argument, um, and I think that goes with any drug. I mean, alcohol, you know, can lead to parties that lead to cocaine and and stuff like that. Um, I want to talk about the other two bills real quick. Sure. Um, you spoke. Let's go to six thirty-four, just in case we run out of time. But uh, this, folks, again, was introduced by uh, Terrell McKinley out of Omaha. McKinney out of Omaha. He he's saying, hey, let's let's get so Nebraskans over the age of twenty could grow, sell, distribute, possess, and use cannabis or marijuana. Uh, that would be the full enchilada, as I understand it. Yes. Um, I'm going to throw out right now his argument and Senator Wayne's argument about racism and the laws were all about race. Uh, yeah, I'm not buying that. But we're talking, yeah, let's just go the whole thing. Let's go marijuana. <laughs> As a state, Nebraska, um, I don't see that happening here. I'm not advocating for that at all. As a matter of fact, I'm against that. Um, but uh, you testified in 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 the hearing for that I did. one. Well, again, what was your testimony about? And and you know, going kind of that full enchilada. Yeah. Well, how do you see that playing out? I mean, the first thing I spoke about, which is the huge bureaucratic framework that um, this bill, it's a hundred. And 61 pages long, and um, LB 634 McKinney's bill, and um, you know it, and it, and he didn't even include a fiscal note with it. Okay. So I mean, he has no idea yeah, um, what it's going to cost. Um, <laughs> Senator Wishart's bill, um, LB 588, the medical marijuana bill, it came with a 2.6 million dollar price okay. tag over the first two years. Okay. That's what she estimates. Um, so you know, the argument is, well, we'll we'll be able to collect. We'll be able to collect all these taxes. You know, this LB 634 would allow for 15% sales tax rate on above the, the local rate and state tax, right? Mm-hmm. So, but um, what we found in Colorado is that, um, yeah, they've collected, you know, several billion dollars now. But the problem is the, the, the unintended consequences, the crime increase and the, the increase in, in police and, and just medical there's just a, a long line uh, of problems that happens when you when you legalize and create a culture of drug use so i suspect homelessness calls response yeah. for uh like lfr in our case or emergency response police investigating um and domestic what, issue, domestic yeah. you know um violence and and just other things um it, it costs about 10 times what you bring in so basically yeah you're not getting a net gain like people think that's what the data from Colorado shows us. Right. Tax and plus, wise. you know, people say, oh, well, it's going to end the black market. Well, that's a lie because, you know, when you go through 161 pages of regulation, then that's a lot of increased cost on those who are going to do it legally. And so it's pretty easy to undercut the legal market and it only exacerbates the the black market in that. Yeah, I find that to be an interesting, I guess, argument for this is that, well, we'll get rid of the black market. And I'm thinking to myself, people have been, people that are into marijuana 
have been growing marijuana for a hundred years. You know, people have been finding a way, those that use it, um, and I don't see that that would ever happen. If anything, it would allow for the different strains and the strains that don't sell. Because, as you said, and, I, you know, I'm not a connoisseur, but there's many different forms. Whether it be, oh, well, that leaf was no good that we, you know, grew in the, uh, in the you know, the plush place. You know, it's going to find its way to somebody to go sell it. Right. You know, I, I do think that that is a, a false uh, justification for why legalizing it would be good. Yeah, and then there's just the issue of, you know, I, I just can't imagine that there would be many families that would want a marijuana dispensary close to their neighborhood. You know, to that to be the place to hang out, your kids would want to hang out on the corner shop. But what I, what we what we do see is that, you know, marijuana dispensaries, just like the, the vape shops that have popped up everywhere in Lincoln and selling and hemp, right, um, and Delta 8 THC, um, those, um, those will, the market is there, they'll be there overnight. Um, we see this in states that legalize, you know, really within, you know, literally overnight, you'll, You'll have a, well, I mean, you'll have the you'll have the fifty shops that you know are allowed in in your in your legis in your congressional district. It, it won't take long to be able to have those. Well, you, right now you're supposed to have what three sh- or two shops, three shops in each congressional district. Yeah, that's for medical though. Right, that's for yeah. medical, and it's each 50. of them will, each of them will be surrounded by and and folks like seriously, just drive around Lincoln. The things I notice is I notice downtown and housing going up. You know these new age housing. And then I notice green shops everywhere. Like right. those to me, when I drive as a citizen, those are the booms I see going on in Lincoln, you know, in preparation for whatever this may be. Um, how much do you think? Well, let's talk about 22 real quick. Um, yeah. Decriminalize the use and possession of marijuana. Um, that just seems, again, as part of the whole thing. I don't know how that, you know, we could have one without the other. Well, right? and if you can't have one without the other because you have to, you know, this, the statute has, you know, marijuana listed as one of the controlled substances. Right. And so basically um, what, what Wayne, Senator Wayne did in that bill is he just went out and scratch, scratched the word marijuana out wherever it's, it's seen in statute. Mm-hmm. So there's no then crime for, for right. possession, use, sale, manufacturing, right? Um, and so they were actually um, heard together in uh, 22 and LB 634 were actually had their hearing at the exact same time. Okay. And so you have to have them. So then you have to fill, you know, set up this bureaucratic framework sure. on which to legalize. And you have to have the framework because okay. you know the problems that it's going to cause. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. And, you know, and I've had... Uh I've had the county attorney, Pat Condon, on here before, and and there's, I mean, what I would say is in modern culture, even here in Nebraska, um, the law and the county attorneys have done the best uh, to right-size, you know, instead of, say, putting somebody away for 20 years um, with different courts and different um, outreach programs. You know, I'm satisfied with how our legal system is handling people that, are possessing marijuana. I mean, I think that they have made some good strides in that area. And I see what you're saying about building the framework to go there. Um, Let me ask you about the vote. I I am convinced. I mean, Senator Wishart says that no matter what, you know, this will come back. I do agree that it will. Um, She says, you know, we'll finally get it on the ballot in 2024. Um, and, And she's speaking, I believe specifically about medical cannabis or marijuana 
Um, how do you see that playing out? Well, I can't say for sure. Um, I say that um, a lot of people are persuaded by the families mm-hmm. who, um, you know, take their have been taking their children around for uh, you know seven eight years in the capital, and you know they want to help them, and and so you know this the the drum roll has been beating constantly to help these kids, um, and. So I'm not I'm not sure how it'll how it'll turn out. You know, I'm just I'm just thankful that we've had a decade and or you know, really, you know, 25, 26 years compared to California where we've not had Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, two generations of kids who haven't had to grow up with marijuana dispensaries on the corner. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that that has been such a blessing. And I hope we I just I pray we can continue that. Yeah, I think, you know, and I. what's interesting to me is I think, like anything, there's always some politics. And I, I do think the families are legitimately trying to find help for some really bad situations. I think that there is a little guise by the politicians to mask some culture stuff, knowing yeah. how this kind of plays out with the cards and things like yeah. that. I, I still believe that we can survive medical marijuana in Nebraska. I could be naive. I could be wrong. Um I just think that it's there. I am no way believe we're ready for what I call zombie land when it's fully legalized. And I, like you, share the fact that uh, we've been able to, for two generations of Nebraskans, you know, uh, allow them to not have just that, oh, here it is, like everything else. Um, But I do think that if it goes to vote for medical, I do think it would pass. Now, sadly, and I wish people would just be more honest about it. Sadly, I think it passes more because of the cultural aspect opposed to the helping the people that are looking for some help, right? Because that's a small part of our population, people that are in those situations. And and I think that that is just something we all have to uh, kind of pay attention to. Yeah. You know, 5% maybe have legitimate reasons to want to try, but it'll be the 95% that'll cause, you know, the damage to the culture. Yeah, without a doubt. Mary, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. My pleasure. Yeah, this is an interesting topic that's caught a lot of attention, I mean, across the nation at times, and uh, it's been here for a while, and and we'll see. Maybe there'll be some movement this year a little bit, or maybe we'll wait until 2024. I don't know. I just share my thoughts and get uh, somebody like Mary in here to share her thoughts, and I really appreciate it. So 1,499.3-K-L-I-N. You're getting the 411 from DTL. With Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks. Uh, hey, Mary, real quick before we go. You, you talked about warning labels in your hearing, and I didn't give you a chance to kind of mention what that was. I, I guess I assumed, like any drug, if it was passed, you know, they have warning labels. They have pros and cons. But you caught something about that. Well, it's interesting. So LB634, which um, is McKinney's fully legalizing marijuana, there in Section um, 142, it has um, warning labels. Warnings have to be on um, any of the products that's sold. Uh, warning, this product has intoxicating effects. Warning, there may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. Warning, smoking is hazardous to your health. Warning, may be habit-forming and addictive. Warning, cannabis impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. But what's ironic is that I've never seen the same sort of wording anywhere in any of Anna Wishart's medical marijuana bills. You know, mm. no warning. Well, and I just think that's telling. 
Well, it that's it. That Same is, product. That is interesting. And I would say that uh, it does need to be there. I mean, any type of uh, drug, which that's my argument, right, is a drug is a drug. And so uh, those warning labels need to be on there. I don't know if it was omitted for a reason to kind of hoodwink people. But in fact, you are right. It is the same chemical compounds, um, different quote unquote usage. Um, so I, as a concerned citizen, would expect to see warning labels, you know, if we were to pass uh, medical cannabis. Interesting stuff, no doubt about it. Folks, if you are a proponent of all this stuff, I would love for you to come on. Um, we're going to have a busy week. Um, but yeah, hit your allies and uh, give them the uh, Rick Stein recognition text line or have them call in and we'll set up a date and bring them in um, tomorrow County Commissioner Matt Schulte is going to be on I'm sure I'm going to grill him about this COVID emergency Wednesday County Engineer Pam Dingman will be on we're going to talk snow efforts and Thursday Paul Holt from the Ugly Motel Drive Time Lincoln 1499.3 KLIN